This episode features discussions of violence and assault that may be disturbing for some listeners. We encourage extreme caution for anyone under the age of 13. Hello and welcome back to Crime Pros. We are on episode two. We made it through the first week. That's always the hardest. And I am excited to get into today's case because last week we talked about a case that was solved and we had the answers and this week we just don't. And so it's really not, it's not ever fun to discuss crime, but it's always really interesting to see what what clues can we uncover. And you know, these true crime podcasts have help to find the perpetrators of so many crimes over the past several years. So hopefully, ideally, one day, one of our listeners will have the answers that the police need to solve a crime. Like that is my dream. So really excited for our first unsolved case and for our guest today. So our today's guest is a digital marketing and PR expert who has a great knowledge of all things social media. And she's a part of that Gen Z generation that has really dominated the space and probably knows more about this even than me. So I'm really excited to welcome Sam Gilby. Hello, Sam. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to talk about what we have and what we don't have. Oh my gosh, yes. Thank you, first of all, for joining us today. And Sam, can I just ask you, like, what is your, what are your thoughts on social media and and the the role that they play in like crime and the way that the world is changing like what what are your thoughts there I think social media has almost made it easier to solve crimes and to also make it harder I think it's opened a world of communication for people who might have never been able to connect before and you know you can put on a front you can post fake photos I have friends who Photos have been used to create fake Instagram accounts and try to reach out to others, which uh, can make the world a little bit more dangerous and making more crime. But also there's so everyone always has their phone out, their camera rolling, wanting to post and without even knowing it, they're capturing moments that could help in other things as well as posting on platforms to help find people when they don't have a name or they don't know who it is, but they need to find that person. Yes. Well, it's so interesting that you say that because today's crime, all of the evidence that we have comes from social media. So I am so just like bewildered by this entire case, but also amazed at how everything so far has gone down in the investigation. And I think we should just jump right in. So without further ado, this is the Delphi Murders. So Sam, where were you in 2017? 2017, I was in my first year of college in Oregon. Okay, so in 2017, February 13th, school is out in Delphi, Indiana. Tiny town, like small town vibes. We have everybody knows everybody. It's I think like an hour or two from Indianapolis. And I don't know if you're super familiar with Indiana, but like, outside of that one city there's not a lot so 
uh, just just think very small town fields and forests and 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 tiny town vibes. But school is out because of a snow day makeup day, which I didn't even know was a thing. But apparently, in places where it snows a lot, they build snow days into the calendar for the school year. And then if you don't use enough of them, you just take like extra vacation days, which is wild to me. So they have one of these like snow day makeup days in Delphi, and two friends. Liberty German and Abigail Williams are on their snow day makeup day, and they decide they're going to have a sleepover the night before、um, because the 13th is a Monday. So Sunday night they have the sleepover, and Liberty, her friends call her Libby. She's 14, and Abigail is 13. They're in middle school, teenagers. Like, do you get the the vibe that we're going for? <laughs> Yeah, sounds like two girls enjoying their day off. I've gone on plenty of hikes when I finally have the day off. Yes, and as we of course know, teen girls are obsessed over their aesthetic on social media, and Libby and Abigail are no exception. So on their day off, they decide to go for a hike, and there is an area nearby called. The the Deer Creek hiking area, and in this Deer Creek area, there、um, is this bridge called the Moon High Bridge, which is like this old railroad track bridge that goes over this like ravine, and it's really popular for pe- people and like teenagers in the area who want these. Unique photos for their social media, and Abby and Libby were known for being like little photographers and 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 loving to take pictures and videos. And so they decide they're going to go hiking for the day and and just take a few pictures. So they convince Libby's older sister Kelsey to drop them off in this、uh, like Deer what's it, Deer Creek yes Deer Creek hiking area、um, around 1:30 p.m. And immediately, their friends see them posting on social media, especially Snapchat is like Libby's big platform. And so, like her friends are seeing her stories, they see that she's posting. There had also been like other kids from their class and from their school who had been out there that day, and they had been also taking photos and and posting. So it's kind of like a thing that everyone is like watching each other take photos in this area this day, and so. Everyone's watching her stories, and we see posts up until 2:07 p.m. So just about, you know, 40-ish minutes, 30, 40 minutes after the girls are dropped off, that's the last post that we see on Libby's or sorry, her Snap story, not Instagram Snap story. So that's 2:07. Libby's dad shows up at 3:15 to pick up the girls, but they aren't there. And he can't get a hold of them. He calls around. You know, he's calling them. He's calling their、uh, like they lived with their grandparents. So he's calling grandparents. He's calling the sister. He can't get a hold of anyone. And you know, when this happens to me, like if I call someone and they don't answer, like if I call my mom and she doesn't answer her phone, I freak out. I'm like, what is wrong? I don't know if you do that too. For me, it's more like if one of my parents do call and I'm like in the middle of working. I'm always like, is this an emergency right now, or are they just calling to tell me something like funny they passed by while driving? Yeah. Okay. Yes, that's such a good point. And like, if someone calls you a second time, like if I'm at work or something, I might not answer the first time. But then if they call me back immediately, I'm like, oh, I should answer this. 
I'm the same way. If they're double calling, it's definitely an emergency, but it's also always never actually been an emergency. Yeah, 100%. So I'm sure that's kind of like what Libby's dad is thinking here is like, kind of like you said, like it goes through your head, this this might be an emergency, but it's never been an emergency before, so it's probably not. But he keeps waiting, he keeps calling, other people start trying to call, and by 5.30 p.m., they've gotten so worried about the girls that they've stopped calling and they've reported the girls missing to the police. And a search starts immediately. Now, February in Indiana, the sun goes down really early. We're talking like sometimes as early as like six o'clock. I remember winter days in the Midwest, like sometimes between 4.30 and 5, you lost sunlight. So the sun goes down really early and we all know that a search in the dark can be really complicated. And if we think about a search in a hiking area in the Midwest, like you're in the woods, you know, <laughs> like trees, plants, there's like uh, brush all over the floor and it's really hard to search. So unfortunately the search has to get called off pretty quickly that night because it's just too dark. People can't see things. And also they're in a tiny town. A lot of the officials who are helping to search, like the entire fire department is all volunteers. So they don't have the resources they need to be doing night searches and they have to call it off pretty early. Now the family, they keep searching through the night, but the next day is when the big community search starts and they're trying to find these two girls because they're worried, like, what if one of them fell? You know, they know this bridge is over this big ravine. Like, what if one of them fell off and got hurt and the other girl is like trying to stay by her side and trying to take care of her or all of these like worst case scenarios are running through everyone's head. So the whole I think they also said though that that was like their biggest concern is that they really didn't think it could have been like kidnapped or anything at that time and that maybe one of those girls had just gotten injured and that they're just such best friends that they would never leave one behind. Yeah, which is so well first of all it shows their character, right? Like that they're such genuine friends and like good people to take care of each other. But also I wonder about that because like neither of them was posting on social media anymore and we knew know that they had their phones up until at least 207 so i feel like in the back of their heads there had to be even this like little dark glimmer of something even worse may have happened which is chilling to think about but the next day on Valentine's Day 2017, the whole community shows up to search. We're talking the local churches have sent their staff, the entire fire department is there, the police force, the sheriff's office, the state police are even called in. And because there are missing children, the FBI is always involved when that happens. And so the FBI is showing up. And again, this is a tiny town, like they don't, they're not used to this. This isn't like LA where there's a dozen missing person cases going on. This is the focus of this town and they're trying to find these two girls. And so they're searching primarily in this hiking area. And that day on Valentine's Day, the, the two girls' bodies were found near the high bridge and they were both deceased. Now, to this day, the police have not revealed how the girls died. We don't know, they're keeping it close to themselves. 
but they announce pretty quickly. I saw a couple of different reports. Some people say it was that day, the 14th, that the girls were found. Some sources say it was the next day, but pretty quickly the police announced that they think it was foul play and a murder investigation is launched right away. Now, on February 15th, so the day after the girls' bodies are found, the police begin circulating an image, and it's a picture of the high bridge. You can tell it's taken by someone who's on the bridge, and it's taken of a man who is, is walking on the bridge. This is a Caucasian man. He looks like he might be like middle-aged, and he's walking towards whoever's taking this picture. Now it's a little bit fuzzy of a picture and they reveal quickly that it's actually a screenshot from a, a picture posted on Libby's Snap Story. So this is taken from Snapchat. And what's really interesting is they put out a time that they think the picture might've been taken and I couldn't find the time in my research, but they did talk about how they had to use the girl's friends uh, to help them figure out what time it was posted because I'm sure you're familiar with like Snapchat stories, but you don't actually see what time an image is posted to a story. You see how many hours ago it was posted before you see it, you know? So like if I opened Sam's Snap story, it might say like posted four hours ago. And so that's how they had to figure out what time this was posted was based on like asking the friends what time did you see this posted and how many hours ago did it say that it was posted live which is wild to me i think also when i was doing my research what was crazy is i believe it was maybe one of their grandmas had stated that both the girls were actually really into like crime and like wanting to go into yes. something like that so the fact that they were doing these things they believe actually was them trying to potentially help whoever did start to investigate like help them put it together but it does show like were they doing this and thinking like, oh, we're gonna do this and we're gonna be fine and we can report him later or if it was more clues for like when it was later found. Yeah, isn't that wild? So yes, so when the police, when they announced that this is from Liberty's stories, they, they acknowledged that this man is their prime suspect. And what's, like you said, what's wild is that they were like little, I don't, I don't know if you're familiar with the podcast Crime Junkie, which is like my first introduction to the world of true crime. But when uh, the hosts of Crime Junkie talk about this case, they always say that the girls were like little crime junkies and you're right, like their family said that they, they loved looking into true crime and like learning about these cases and trying to solve them. And I actually heard an interview with Libby's grandfather who said that he thinks that one of two things happened. Either, like you said, she took the, the picture to, you know, be a little crime junkie and, and have some evidence in case this man did something strange or illegal or odd. But she also said that, or the grandfather also said that he thinks that she may have been taking it to show to her family to say this man was acting all creepy at the the Deer Creek today. And it's just, it goes to show you like how smart these girls were to have the foresight to take these pictures. Because 
like, I don't know about you, Sam, but I get in situations all the time where, okay, like, I live in downtown Los Angeles. There are a lot of situations where I'm walking down the street and there's just like one other person and I get really uncomfortable and I'll get my cell phone out and pretend to be on like a phone call, but I never actually think to without the camera. So I'm impressed by these girls and, and their like sleuthing skills. I know my first instinct is always to FaceTime a friend because I think, okay, if something were to go wrong, at least it's like another set of eyes on me. Yeah. But yeah, to actually have that photo is probably 10 times more useful than like a friend on the phone who really can't do anything in the moment. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I'm just like taking in just how powerful these actions were. But um, let's go back to our timeline and the investigation that's ongoing. So this image is released on February 15th, right? One week later, on the 22nd of February, the police released the audio that goes with the image. And they revealed that the image is just a still from a video that they have. So now they're releasing some of the audio. And a full disclaimer before we go into what the audio is and says, um, the police have made it pretty clear that they have more evidence from the girls' social media accounts and from uh, things that their friends saw them posting that they're not making public. So we don't know if this is all of the audio or if there's more videos or anything like that, but we just know what they're releasing. And the police are keeping some things close to home and, and not releasing some information because they are a little bit worried about like tipping their hand and maybe like warning the perpetrator that they know who he is. Um, so they are keeping some information close to themselves. But on the 22nd, the audio that is released is of a man, they say it's the man in the picture, saying the words, down the hill. And I don't know if you've heard, I, I know you've looked into this case a little bit. I don't know if you've heard the audio, but it is chilling. I listened to the audio and it it's just terrifying almost. And yeah, it gives you goosebumps to think that you're hearing like audio from a time that was probably, I mean, not probably was horrible for someone else just in general. Yeah, and it it definitely sounds like he's giving them directions. Like, go, like you need to go down this hill. Not friendly or um, anything like that. You know, it, it's, it's pretty clear that he is directing them down the hill, which kind of even gives credence to if they were in the situation where someone is telling them to go down the hill, it kind of gives credence to the theory that Liberty was trying to collect evidence for the police when they looked into this. So I just a side tangent here. There's so many bad things about social media and it gets such a bad rep, but I think this is one of the big benefits, like you were saying earlier when we started the podcast, like the fact that we can document so many parts of our lives is a big deal and it does so much good. And I think that the way that Libby did it was really smart because she knew that she had other friends in the area that day, like maybe someone was nearby and if they saw this video, they could come find her or something like that. Um, but it can also lead to some not so great 
stories, like the time that Kim Kardashian got robbed because she posted a picture of the jewelry she was wearing and people figured out where it was and came and robbed her. So like, it's not all good. <laughs> no. But yeah, so they released this audio and then for a few months after that, things are a little bit cold. So this, this is uh, February 22nd of 2017 that they released the audio and there's not a lot of developments for a few months. You know, the state police and the local police both say that they have full-time people dedicated to this case that entire time. They're actively working it every day. They do have a national tips hotline coming in and they are vetting all of the tips and things, but we don't hear a lot until July 17th of that year. And on July 17th, a sketch is released by the police and it's based on a man that other hikers saw on the trails that day. And while the video of the man that Liberty posted to her Snapchat stories is not, like you can't see a lot of his face, he's wearing a hat and a big jacket, like he's pretty covered. It seems like this sketch that they release could match him. It is like a middle-aged man. He's got some facial hair, um, maybe just like a little bit stout, uh, not like a like smooth and skinny face. Like it looks like it could be a match. Um, and so it is assumed to be the same man that Libby took pictures of. And now other hikers are saying that they saw him on the trails that same day, which again, absolutely chilling. Now, for almost two years after this was released, very little is made public. We don't hear from the state police a ton. We don't hear from the local police. The FBI pulls out of the investigation. The, the sheriff and the state police both say that they do still have full-time investigators on the case, but we don't really hear anything until April of 2019. Now it's starting to feel really like relevant you know like i remember april of 2019 very clearly <laughs> um i was taking finals in college what a time um so on april 22nd of 2019 the police call a press conference and they announce new information and they say that the case is taking a new direction and one of the things that is included in the new information that they release is the video that they took the still image from. So now we have a video from Liberty's social media of this man on the high bridge walking towards the girls. Again, absolutely chilling. Like how many crimes do you hear of that are so brutal, a 13 and a 14 year old being murdered? How? often do you have video of the perpetrator <laughs> it's crazy like almost never which is crazy but you would also think with having the video it would make a case easier to solve like i've always assumed if there was hard evidence like that it would make it easier and maybe that just comes from always watching you know criminal minds and stuff like that but their camera software seems so high tech and crazy and so now to see like in real life situations that it isn't as strong or as like powerful as you would think it would be in one of these situations. I know. And yeah, they, they released the video to show people this man's walk 
they wanted people to see the walk because they announced at the press conference that they think this is probably a person who knows the Delphi area well. They talk about how, you know, the bridge is kind of in a remote place. This isn't like a super touristy area. So it's not like a bunch of random people are going to be out in this like random hiking path and just happen to run into two girls. Like the chances of that happening are really, really slim. It's more likely that someone from Delphi or familiar with Delphi would know that on this day where the schools were closed, there would probably be young people at this hiking trail, like just enjoying their day off. So the reason that they now release the video, they say, is because they want people to see how he walks in order to see if someone knows the walk. But then they immediately say, but don't forget, this is a railroad bridge. So he's not going to be walking normally, right? Because I don't know if you're familiar with railroad bridges, but it's usually not like a solid surface. Like you would have to kind of step from one piece of wood to the next with like a gap between them. So he's not able to just do his regular walk as he would because then like he might step between two pieces of wood. Like he, he has to have this special gate that day to cross this bridge, but they still think maybe someone will, will recognize his mannerisms or his walk or something like that. Um, they also release a new sketch. This is the part of the case that drives me the most crazy. <laughs> Because remember our last sketch was a middle-aged man with some facial hair, looks a little bit older. The new sketch is of a young, clean-shaven man. His face shape is different. It almost looks like smoother and younger. And the police describe him now as youthful, is their word, youthful in appearance, but could be anywhere between 18 and 40 years old. Didn't they also say that this was the original sketch that they actually had and then they had altered it to be the different when they released the first one? Like they're saying this is what they had originally and now they're backtracking back to it? You know, I don't know. I know that they said that the initial sketch is their secondary sketch. So when I heard that, I took it as it might look like this, but it more likely looks like the new sketch. Like that's our primary sketch, but you may be right because there's so much information out there about this case. This may have been their like first one that they had. And some people do say if you compare the two photos, it's possible that the first sketch they released is just an older looking version of the second sketch they released, which I've looked at them side by side. I'm not an expert, so I can't give a lot of thought into that. But I do think it's kind of wild that they say he could be anywhere from 18 to 40. Like, I'm sorry. The big age range. What? Like, so I'm 24, right? And I don't look 18 or 40. So the fact that someone could look like both of those is wild. But this is the range that we're now given. So they also release new audio. And again, audio is the most like chilling thing, but they release just maybe one extra second of the audio from the video. And do you know what it says? I could not figure out what it said. 
So the initial audio they released in 2017 said down the hill, right? Yeah. The new audio is just four words. Guys down the hill. Uh And I, when I'm like thinking about listening to it right now and, and shivering because we talked about how down the hill was like a command, right? Like very clearly the girls probably knew that they were in danger. Guys, when he says guys at the beginning of that like command, guys is a completely different tone. He sounds friendly, like he knows them, like maybe he's already been chatting with them. And it is heartbreaking because I can just like picture in my mind's eye, like them talking to this man just that they ran into on a hiking trail. Maybe they know him, I don't know. They're like just casual day out. And I just imagine him being friendly with them and nice and saying like, guys, and them looking at him and then him revealing a weapon or somehow intimidating them and the situation just completely changing. It's like down the hill, like go. That's what I've been wondering too, because you know, they always say buddy system, be with someone. And there was two of them. So I've wondered if, obviously maybe not the total cliche, but you know how people, when you were growing up, it was like, if someone asked you to help look for their dog, like never Mm -hmm. go, something like that, maybe initially stray from the path or something so that he didn't feel as like intimidated with the two versus one or something yeah yeah that's a really good point and it's just heartbreaking to think about and also you know sometimes you listen to these true crime cases and it can be a little bit easy to dissociate with uh, the people involved because you know the crime may have been committed in like the early 1900s or something like that and and you think like oh this is a completely different time but like these girls abby and libby would have been in high school graduating high school right around now like i'm just heartbroken every time i think about it and it makes you want justice for them i can't wait for someone to finally maybe not wait, but to finally see a face and just have this person admit to what they did and like face what they've done. Yeah, absolutely. And the police may be closer to that than we think. The last update that is given during this press conference in 2019, which is also the latest update that we have, the police superintendent gets up on the stage and makes a very emotional and direct appeal. And he addresses the killer directly and he says, we may have already interviewed you. We may have you in this room right now. And I listened to a podcast where two journalists um, from a major news network were in the room and they said that when he said that, that the killer may be in the room and that the police may know that he's in the room, that they were just so shaken. And I I mean, you want the police to be like, if you know you have the killer in the room, like why is he not being arrested? But they remind everyone that just because they know who didn't doesn't mean that they have proof beyond a reasonable doubt. 
And we have to remember that in the US, the way that our justice system is set up, if someone is tried before we have all of the ed- evidence and that their lawyers can put even one tiny reasonable doubt in the jury's head, then they can be acquitted. And if they're acquitted, no matter what evidence arises in the future, no matter what we find out, they can never be tried for it again. So you have to be confident that you have all the evidence you need to put someone behind bars. And the police say that they just don't have it yet. But they make an appeal for tips and evidence. And if anyone has any tips that they want to submit, um, you can send an email to Abby and Libby Tip at C A C O S H R F dot com. That goes to the local sheriff's office. And that's where the case stands. That's where we're at, is the police think that they know who committed this crime and they just need the last little bit of evidence in order to put him behind bars and serve justice. So so frustrating. And it makes you like wonder what that last piece of evidence really would be with, you know, having a crime scene and having photos of somebody and sketches really wondering like what's that last piece that really ties it all together or what they're looking like. I know and it makes you wonder like one of the things I think about is how they haven't released how the girls actually died so we don't know what happened we don't know if there was sexual assault involved we don't know if their bodies were you, you know mutilated in some way and so part of me wonders if maybe they're still looking for a murder weapon and if that is like the proof that they need. Very possible. So since that's our latest update and it's still an unsolved case, what do you think, Sam? Like where, where does your mind go when you get to the end of this story? My first thought is honestly, knowing that all of those things that we have like the voice recordings the photos stuff like that have been posted to news sources and stuff like that but I wonder what kind of momentum it could have gotten if it had hit social media I know it's really different but I always see people like on TikTok for example posting someone and being like help me find this person Mm -hmm. because of this or that and the TikTok media goes crazy and they end up finding these people and it circulates to millions of people And I'm not saying that necessarily it could solve the crime, but if that person's photo had hit such a larger network, potentially could someone have been like, that's my neighbor or, you know what I mean? I've seen him in my grocery store and I know that. I think that traditional press is so important and still something that people keep up on, but the amount of time people spend on social media is just, I think that much greater. Yeah. So I do wonder what could have happened if it, had done something like that or if like their friends had taken to social and done it for them or something. Yeah, that's so true. I do wonder too, and maybe you can just like give me a hypothetical answer. Where do you think this case would even be without social media? If Libby hadn't had the resources to put out the couple of videos, photos that she did and her friends didn't have access to those, Um, Because also, we don't know if the cell phones were found. So we don't know if 
she even saved those on her device. Like social media is the source of all evidence that we know of in this case. So where do you think the case would be without social media? I think it would have, even though it's still not totally solved, I think it wouldn't be nearly this close because it all started basically from a Snapchat photo. Yeah. So without even having that photo, there probably wouldn't have been a sketch and there wouldn't have been something to start with. And there also wouldn't even have been an area to start the search. Yes, they know where they were hiking and I haven't been in that area, but I assuming like it's a small town with a lot of land. Mm-hmm. Assuming they've been gone for over 12 hours, they could have gone so far. And it's like, so where do you start the search? Do you start at the beginning of the trail? Do you start where you think they ended up? But you had a starting point of where to look you know who they were next to the last time they were seen. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot of information, I think, to even start in a case. Yeah, it really is. Like, it's it's all that we've had to go on in this case. And it, it really, I mean, as much as we're still waiting for justice, we also have to give credit to Libby and her work on social media for how, how much um, progress has been made. So... Do you have any final thoughts before we go? No final thoughts, but I do hope that this case is closed soon just for the families and just everyone following along in general. Part of closure. Yeah, definitely sending our thoughts and prayers to their families and hoping that soon we have answers. Well, thank you again, Sam, for joining us for this episode of Crime Pros. Thank you to everyone who listened. I hope that you learned a little something and that in some way we're going to do some good with these episodes of True Crime Podcast. And that even if it's not this case, eventually, hopefully, we're going to see justice served to someone Uh, as we keep going. So thanks again for listening. We'll see you next Monday with another true crime pro and another true crime story. Thank you for listening to Crime Pros. Make sure to download this episode and subscribe to the show. If you like our true crime stories, head over to Apple Podcasts and let us know with a five-star review. Crime Pros is hosted by Jace Lucas and is a production of Amped Media. This week's guest was Samantha Gilby. Connect with us on Instagram and Facebook at Amped Media Official. See you next week for a new true crime story with a new true crime pro.